Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed Owner and Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro, Evan Preparis. I got a couple of guests with me on the line. Before we get to them, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Aurora Heated Apparel. Uh, we're going to be talking about Toughest Mudder Relay today. And Aurora Heated Repair was keeping me warm in between laps. It's a great product, especially for those of you who have pit crew that's coming at Toughest Mudder or World's Toughest Mudder. It's a great product that you can wear pre or post race. It's electronically heated. I would not wear it during the race, right? It's not waterproof, uh, but um, you can pass it off to your pit crew and keep them warm in between laps or pre and post race, et cetera. Um, and then I've got a bunch of discount codes in that I'm going to drop in the show notes, including a 20% off Tough Mudder code. Uh, Aurora, I think it's 10 or 15% off and a mud gear code. They'll all be in the show notes. You can go down there, check that stuff out and the yoked code as well. All right, let's get to today's guests. I've got the toughest mudder East, uh, winning team on the podcast. So I'll introduce you one by one, but we had a uh, Chris Miko. I'm not going to try to pronounce your full last name. So you can do that for me. Yep. Chris Mikoyevsky. Come on, Evan. You should know that by now. I we just call you Miko, and your yeah. your Instagram is Ultra Miko. So I I've never bothered to learn your full last name. No, <laughs> next time okay. we'll work on it. Okay, we got Eddie Gortz. Gortzin. Gortzin. I've messed it up. I even asked beforehand. I'm the worst. <laughs> and, it's all right. And we got TJ Szymanski. Yep, you're very close on that one. It's that that Polak shuh thing. It's shuh, that Shuzmanski. But it ends in a ski just like Miko, so we're good. Okay, I went to elementary school with someone with the same last name. So um, I, feel, I feel like that's why I was at least in the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, you were really good. Most people just absolutely slaughter it. All right. Uh, so before we kind of jump into Toughest Mudder, uh, we're going to jump into a little bit about each of your training backgrounds. So we'll start off with Chris, um, who's always... I feel like every time we run a toughest mudder or an infinity, me and you are running together for usually multiple laps, even though we are not part of the same team. So, uh, Chris, tell us a little about your training background real quick. Yeah. So I think we talked about this win in, I'm going to say right, Philly, right? About how long we've been doing tough mudders. And I think my first one was in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. I think we went back that far while we were, you know, running together for two laps of that job, you know, a fun race. Um, so I started doing tough mutters back then, um, kind of just having fun with it while I was in school. Then I graduated and I think it was like 20, well, yeah, 2013 and everything. And then I was, got into doing warrior dashes and started worth uh, running Spartans and decided I wanted to go towards their competitive elite heats and started running those doing halfway decent. And then started making, you know, more and more fun and do more and more endurance style events like toughest mutters, backyard ultras, ultra distance. So I went from one marathon right into world's toughest mutter and had some fun there. I think and this is going to be my six world's toughest coming up. I got three brown bibs and two silver bibs there. Nice. Still chasing that elusive yellow bib and orange jacket. We'll see this year. Yeah. Well, you're 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 looking pretty good. You're in good shape this year, so uh, we'll see. And yeah, I know you've got some other big stuff planned in the future. We'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. Some pretty crazy events that you have lined up. Uh, let's jump over to Eddie. Um, I uh, kind of just started initially OCR. It's just kind of like my gym was doing a tough mutter back in 2012. 
I would just do one a year. Um, and then probably around 14, 15, I found out about this thing called the world's toughest mutter. And it just, something intrigued me about it, but it was just very daunting. Uh, and then when toughest came out in 2017, I was like, all right, I'll do toughest, see how I do. I did it. I loved it. And then I did my first world, um, got hypothermia. I had to pull out super early, only got 40 miles. Um, and then ever since then, I've just kind of been uh, riding this endurance train. And I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, especially with TJ, but I've been injured. And this is like my first year where I haven't had any injuries. Like I actually did went through PT um, and training's been really well. Um, and just enjoying, uh, I don't know, pushing myself around this year and just kind of hitting some new goals and new PRs every race I go through. Nice. TJ, jump it over to you. Some of your training background. Yeah. So, I mean, from a training standpoint, it, for me, it was really a uh, martial arts and, um, I was really involved and in taught P90X for a very long time. And I got into obstacle course racing for fun in 2011 as well. And I really, I wasn't a, I wasn't a runner. I didn't get into running at all. And, um, I was trying to find a way to kind of connect my, my son to sports and um, there was a charity run for my for my niece. And so my son wanted to do it. So I told him he would need to run to do that. And so I started running because I was training with him for that. And I kind of fell in love with it. Um, but I didn't know a whole lot about running. So, um, you know, I went and I got myself a, a, a run coach. I consider her to be the best in the business. I'll give her a shout out, Miss Allison Ty. Yeah, um, we love Allison. So yeah, she's been incredible for me. And, you know, I've been working with her and I just fell in love with endurance in that process. And, you know, I've just started putting myself out there to see what I can do. I'm not, you know, competing in martial arts or anything like that anymore. So it kind of gives me a way to, to fuel that competitive fire a little bit. And I've just, I really enjoy it and I love it and I meet great people. Awesome. So let's jump over to Chris. Uh, I believe, were you the one that put the team together? Uh, actually, it was TJ. It was his uh, idea. Okay, so let's jump over to TJ then. So tell me, tell me how you found the team and uh, put us together for for toughest feast. Well, I think the the you know this goes back a ways. So you know, Miko, Eddie, and I have um, been friends and training um, partners and for a really long time. And um, I don't even know how far back it goes to be honest with you. And um, we were really looking for, um, you know, we were really looking for um, a, a fourth um, because we have had some different running partners in the past, but just for logistical reasons or things for that, it just never worked out. And uh, Miko was like, hey, man, I, I've got a, I've got a perfect guy. I'm going to ask him. And then he told us who it was. And we're like, man, we're like, we're getting the best. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to really run this race. So, um, so that was kind of how the team came together. It was really, um, it was really Miko um partnering with you and the three of us have been training together for a really long time so we've been trying to get a race together with the three of us on course for a really long time nice yeah we'll yeah, talk about how say, the... go for say it say that evan was our fourth on our team you haven't really said that yet. oh it's but... true yes that's true i, I was the fourth yeah but yeah that, that was the fun after uh minnesota where it's just I remember seeing you out there, you know, I was on a different team and you just were miserable at night. It was lonely out there and it was. not a lot of runners. And I think you kind of jumped on the opportunity. It's, oh, I don't got to run the full thing and beat the crap out of myself for 12 hours. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's been, uh, 
you know, I, I still enjoy the 12 hour, but I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. And uh, it's just been a busy year. And, um, you know, during the last 12 hour, I just didn't, I didn't feel like my heart was in it as much as it used to be. And I was like, well, let me, I still want to compete in at toughest, but let me, let me look for teams. And I asked you after expecting, like, I thought we were going to be like four loco, those guys. And you're like, Oh, I got two other guys. And I was like, okay. And then uh, scrubbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew you guys, like, I, I know your guys' names, right? Like, and I've seen you at races, but like, I don't know. I didn't know you well before this weekend. Right. So, um, and at one point, Chris was like, yeah, we're going to go have some fun. And I was like, okay. It's like, but we're also going to win. Right. I was like, I just want to make, <laughs> <wanna> make sure. <laughs> I don't need yeah, to win, but like, I need to be competitive. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It has a competitive team. Right. Like, right. You're right. going to show up. Might as well do it somewhat. Right. We'll talk about how the race played out in a minute, but uh, Eddie, as someone who's been around for a while, like, what do you think of this toughest course compared to the other toughest that you've done? This was uh, definitely one of the tougher course, like tougher courses that we I've been to in a while. But it was also like very fun course. It was, I mean, everything you'd want, like just the super muddy, just sloppy clay, but like there's like undertones of rock, so you think you have good fit footing and you're slipping and sliding. I mean. I don't know how much elevation there was per lap, but it felt, you know, a couple hundred every lap that just felt like it was kind of taxing you every time. And it was a good course. I mean, I think if I was out there alone, it'd be a little bit more like it was beating me up a bit. But uh, being out there with a team, it was a perfect course, I think, in my eyes. Nice. Uh, Chris, any opinions on the 10K format versus the previous five mile formats that we've had at other toughest (laughs) and that we have at Worlds? I, I hate it. I think, a, <laughs> I, I think it's a stupid idea because there's not the, like the, it's been less participation, right? I think for Infinity in Chicago, they said it was like 380. And I think for Toughest last week, it was like 350. Yeah. Right. So it's an I, extra I counted, yeah. mile, and a, mile and a quarter with the same amount of obstacles and less people. So it's less community based, less like teamwork. Like I said, you just kind of get out there and you're alone most of the time. Just doesn't yeah. have that world's like feel anymore where it's just you have everybody out there, you're feeding off of each other. It, you know, like I said, I get lonely the last couple I've done. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to be on a team and have someone to run with the whole time. Yeah, I like the five mile laps better. The uh, It's more obstacle dense, which plays more to my advantage. There's more pit stops. Uh, like you said, you see more people, it's less lonely. Um, that being said, I understand why they did it this year. It's ease of course setup, right? Because they're, they're going to set up the 10 K Sunday. So you might as well set it up Saturday night and then you don't have to ch- change anything Sunday morning, right? It's, you just roll right into the next event. So, oh yeah. I mean, I understand. Yeah. I don't agree with it. Don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, let me, uh, TJ, tell us about what was our plan, uh, going into the event team plan. <laughs> Well, what I loved about um, our team is, you know, we we had four people that were, you know, I I would say really gritty that had a lot of experience. So, you know, we were willing to go in there for that first three or four laps and then see where the race was taking us and, you know, flex a plan on the on the fly, so to speak. Um, You know, we knew that that you and Miko were going to be anchoring as you two are by far the fastest. And um, I mean, you guys killed it. And so when that turnaround came, you know, and we were, um, you know, we were in second place. 
I was a little surprised uh, to be transparent with you when I when I saw it. Um, but I knew we had to have some guys pushing out there. So, you know, when we when we flex our plan to like, OK, just, you know, stay stay out of the red, stay as high as we can and push that other team into making a mistake. You know, we were talking about that early on. And, you know, I don't I don't want to give away um, everything for the podcast later as we kind of talk about the race. But I really think that, you know, our plan of going out there, getting the first four laps down and then assessing, I, I really think it was the perfect thing to do. And it positioned us later in the race to to make the right decisions. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Eddie, tell us about how the race and ultimately ended up playing out uh, kind of where we sat through most of the race and, uh, you know, changes that happened towards the end. Yeah. I mean, so like TJ was saying, we were pretty much in second the whole time and, you know, we had, I'd finish a lap and I'd go look at, right at the leaderboard and I'd be, we'd be 20 minutes behind. And then you and Miko would go out and make up a bit of a deficit and we'd be down another five minutes behind. And then just me and TJ being slower. And it was just this constant like back and forth of being anywhere between 20 and five minutes behind the entire race. Um, and we kind of accepted, if you will, that like, all right, like second place it is. You know, they, I think on our last lap, we had a, uh, initially a 20 minute deficit and we made it down to nine by the time all four of us went out. Yeah. Um, and and if anyone's not it. sorry, if anyone's not familiar, you have to run the first and last lap. All four of you on the course, uh, the the intermediate the laps in between, you only have to put two people on the course, um, which also plays a strategy, right? Like if you if you think you can get in two more laps and you can only get in one and you don't complete that last lap with four people, essentially you get DQ'd. So, um, you know, you generally want to play it safe or be able to run that last lap with a little bit of a buffer. So sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Um, and so you and you and uh, Miko went out and made it 20 minutes down to nine. And then the time we went out like, all right. And we went out. We, I mean, we were moving at a good clip. And I thought for sure that if we were going to catch the, the team, we would see someone running and kind of almost look scared because we were on their heels. And I felt like we never saw that. So like, all right, they're just out of our sights. Yeah. We crossed the finish line. And I remember Miko's dad coming up to us. He's like, you guys, you guys did it. Like, what do you mean we did it? He's like, you guys are first. You guys, did. I'm like, I, I don't believe you. Like, I'm sorry, Phil, I don't believe you. I went straight, <laughs> to, Chris, I went straight to Chris Maltby and I was like, did we just win? And he's kind of like, he's passing out awards. He's like, what are you talking about? Looks at the thing. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys did. I was like, oh, like that was totally unexpected. Uh, I think we were all just super surprised. My first podium. Um, so it was just a really cool experience, especially to, to, share that with friends that I've been training with for the past couple of years. It's just even more special. Yeah. And, and I would throw in there too. We even did that taking the time to have a marshmallow roast on the last lap <laughs> because one of us, I won't say who it was, could not hit yeah. well swung on the last lap. So the, the penalty for well swung, which is like the mini King of swingers, if you're not familiar was if you don't hit it, you have to roast a marshmallow to golden Brown. Um, and you can't burn it. If you burn it, then you have to redo it. So we we, we had someone fail. Um, and then we roasted That'd the marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> so th the funny part was we roasted the marshmallow, which was like, and I ate it, which was like the best thing I've eaten all night. Um, but my body, like my body's used to moving the whole time. So when we stopped, my body was like, oh, cool, we're done. And you're eating food. The race is obviously over. And I was, that was the most pain I was in the whole night. Like that first quarter mile back into running after that just because my body was like no no we're, we're done you you ate you stopped running it's over and uh yeah i mean we're sitting crouched around a fire grossing <laughs> yeah. my legs were like all right cool like yeah we're done and we get up and i think we locked eyes and i was like 
oh gosh, my legs are not <laughs> good right now. They are super heavy. Yeah. Well, I remember like the first time when we first saw that, like that penalty, right? But like it was supposed to rain. It was like, man, are those gonna, guys going to be able to keep a fire lit? You know, through that whole event for marshmallows. <laughs> I think Evan was it our second or fourth lap where it's like we came around that corner and there had to be like an eight foot flame. And I remember t- coming into the, you know, checking in at race center after that lap and talking to the race people. It's just like, there's a party going on out there. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they couldn't get the fire lit. So they went out there with a gas can. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a, I found that in races when my uh, results exceed my expectations, I'm happiest, right? Like, because I'm expecting one thing and I get it something different. So even if, even if it's like a race, if I think I'm going to win and I, I come in fourth or third, or whatever, I'm, I'm less happy than when I, you know, expect a certain placement ended up getting higher. So I was, like you said, we had settled for second and I was like, you know, we did our best. It was, it was like no hard feelings. It was a great effort by everyone. And I was like, you know, well, second's good I'm, I'm i'm super happy and then we crossed the finish line they're like you won i was like what get out of here yeah. so, so i, I think that to- speaks to the grit of the team yeah. though because like you know we could have we had locked in second third wasn't catching us they were a complete lap behind and we we could have basically walked it in and you know everyone still pushed that last lap and that that's what got us there and i think that really speaks to just the team in general and you guys like that's why i love uh, running with you guys so much because you guys make me better so like i that was the the really cool part yeah dude chris did you ever find out what happened to the second place team I talked to those guys a little bit and basically I never got a chance to talk to them. This week's been crazy for me coming yeah, back, same. but like they just said one of their guys started bonking out yeah. and was just having some issues that on their eighth lap and he had to do the back to back. So I really didn't get a chance to really ask what happened besides that. So I don't know if it was just something hit him that lap or what. Yeah. But I tried to talk to them was- a little bit right after they finished. And uh, there's a couple of them. I'm like, I don't know, like dying people out. One of them was was hurting visibly, and I was like, "Oh, that's uh, you guys. You guys must have had a rough lap because they they ended up walking a lot of it." And you know, the when you run it, when you start running distance like this, the difference between improper pacing and improper fueling get really blurry, right? Because either way, your body just starts shutting down. Um, so yeah. it might have been pacing, it might have been fueling, uh, might have been not you know not eating enough or. Uh, some you just never know but uh they ended up walking a lot and we we actually we had no idea like you said when we passed them so it was just uh we saved a bunch of our bracelets our bypass bracelets for that last lap and we uh scooted past some obstacles i think and then uh yeah moving to first it's pretty good any other thoughts on the race course and kind of how it compares to other toughest any expectations for worlds etc anyone open to anyone i mean i i thought the course was great i this is from a from a distance standpoint i agree like i think that because it's a training event for toughest it should be in the five mile but i do understand why it's the the 10k but from a course standpoint i i thought that was the best course they've put on in years it was nice it was muddy there you know like eddie said there's rocks there were some technical spots like i i really enjoyed running that course i thought it was phenomenal Nice. Well, I don't know about you and uh, about Evan and TJ or Evan and Miko, but me and uh, 
me and TJ both took some pretty bad spills uh, on some of those technical courses. And I think that like defines a good course is like, if I can't even keep my own footing when I've been running, you know, trails for like 10 years now, then it's a good sloppy course. Um, and I wasn't the only one who ate shit. So sorry if I, I don't know if I can swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I said to you, Evan, when we were out there, one of our first laps, like you kind of said, oh, this is a great, this is like a trail running event. And that's just me and my element. That was, you know, I yeah. took a spill late in lap eight after I changed, <laughs> you know, to a little less aggressive shoes. Because um, we got warm and dry for a lap before we headed out for our last double. And right there took that nice spill. But it was like, if I could go run that course as any like 50 or 100 miler just without, you know, just that terrain, that would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. I liked it. Uh, obstacles were good. I thought um, I liked the obstacles better at Toughest Central because there was a little more grip obstacles. But um, that's my bias. I like more grip obstacles and uh, mud and stuff obstacles. But overall, yeah, it's good. Tough Mudder Standard. I thought it, see, it met the Tough Mudder Standard and um it's good to see some familiar faces back uh chris mendoza was there um which is cool i hadn't seen him since i think worlds it's been and even yep. then it's, it's been i see him like once a year i feel like or once every other year so always nice to see some uh friendly faces back on on the toughest uh arena there yeah and there was a lot of good people there and like i think at one point even when they were doing awards they're like yeah to get you know even a, on the podium you had to have a 90k day yeah. for age group stuff so it was kind of wild just to see how well everybody did on yeah. that course in those conditions yeah so two of the strength and speed guys came in fourth and fifth uh ryan uh ardigo and uh jeff lippert were fourth and fifth both with 90k so i was happy to happy to see them do well podium spot would have been better but you know uh is what it is they did well yeah and you can't complain when you're putting up 90k on that course Correct. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty surprised that that many people got ninety k just because of the, the amount of mud. It's just a uh, hard hard to grip. Yep. And that super long uh, river crossing that we are waiting, whatever you want to call that. I mean, that's just a time suck. I mean, it wasn't hard, but it was probably I don't know, fifty to seventy five yards of just waist deep water where you can't move, just firing your hip flexors. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Um, any, any, what are you guys doing for World Stuffest? Are you doing running team, or are you going individual? Uh, I'm running team. I'm tired of suffering alone. This would be my <laughs> this would be my sixth year doing worlds. Um, I've gotten a brown bib three times now, um, and I just uh, I've been training well, but I'm also back in school, so I haven't really been giving it the full focus I'd like. Um, and after Chicago infinity, um, I was just kind of talking to some people and I was like, if anyone wants to run team, I was like, sign me up because I'm really like, I will do it alone. If I have to, I'm already signed up. I have plans to go. It's like, but I would love to do team. Just the thought of not having to do it for full 24 hours. Um, and then right after Chicago, about a week later, a couple guys reached out to me. They want to be, wanted to be a secret. So I won't tell who it is. Um, but they reached out to me like, hey, like if you still want to do team, let me know. Um, and then doing toughest as a team just definitely solidified. After that first lap, me and TJ sat down. And I was like, man, the team life is for me. I do a lap. <laughs> and I, 
I was like, this is nice. I was like, I'm not dirty yet. I was just, you know, eating some food on my phone. I was like, I could never be on my phone during Worlds. And I was like, oh, I was like I'm going to love. But it was also a good uh, training such like prep for Worlds. It's like that, you know, you can push harder on the, on the course because you're only running every other lap. But you also have to make sure you're staying warm because it's, you get chilled a lot easier when obviously when you're not moving. Um, so that's my plan for Worlds is running team. Um, hopefully we'll be a competitive, uh, good team, I think, so far. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Miko, TJ? Uh, Miko, go ahead. Uh, so, nope, I, I'm going solo this year. I earned my elite bib again. So, Evan, I'll be running right next to you for at least a few laps. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. You usually... Well, Usually start off a little bit faster than me, and then we usually kind of even out at some point. So yeah, assuming you're going solo, right? I'm going solo. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how many more years I go solo. Uh, I'm I'm definitely going this year, but we'll see what it looks like after that. Again, the the some of the allure is starting to wear off. Uh, to do worlds, I have to. I mean, you can do it and just kind of like enjoy yourself, but like I push to the point where like I am in a lot of physical pain. And I'm emotionally yeah. damaged by the end of it, you know? So, <laughs> you know, like, that, there's a point where I'm like, well, you know, how many more times I want to do this? This will be, I think, year nine. Yeah, because we skipped oh, one okay. in 2020. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. <laughs> Mine is more the training block leading up to that's it. That's true. Like, and, and that too, right? My kids that's are That's what I'm looking at now. We're like, what, six weeks out? No, seven, something like that. And it's like, okay, that means the next five to six weeks, like every minute is planned right training making sure uh, you know you peak out at the right time uh, is just a lot yeah gotcha tj any any other thoughts no i mean i'm gonna go solo this year um you know just because i got some stuff going on in my personal life so if i needed to back out last minute i i didn't want to uh, mess anybody up from the team but i i really think uh in two years i'm i'm, I'm looking at team i you know, this is the second time Miko and I have uh, had an opportunity to do team together. And I think it just solidified this this last event. I'm kind of like Eddie, team is the life for me. I just, I love running with great people. And, you know, it's not that you get, you know, two or three hours of, of like off your feet, but it kind of is like it, it yeah. makes it even a little bit more enjoyable, that little bit of break. And then you're also spending the entire night with like really good people. So I think I think team's going to be my future, but for this year it'll be solo. Yeah, and all you guys, uh, I mean, your OCR resumes and your history in the sport goes back pretty deep. Like, there's not that many people. I feel like the number of people who have changed out at this point is is very high, right? Like, I feel like the lifespan of most OCR athletes is like three, is like four years. Like one to get in, two to go all in, three to get excessive, and then fourth year is their burnout year, and then they disappear. So the fact that you guys are still standing is a testament to your grit, like we were talking about earlier. So Miko, any thoughts on uh, infinity? I know you did it uh, at least one infinity this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did too. I did the one in Philly with you. And yeah. then, um, which side Chicago. note, side note, you, I, you're one of the few people I'm like hundred percent positive that beat me, but the results are a disaster. I've talked about them on the podcast before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think like we sat there trying to figure out like from Strava, uh, um, Brent did a, he like went through Strava data, talked to like people and like, I think he figured out I, w I was third or fourth. He had beat me right at the end and we was trying to figure it out. And yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that in Chicago, and it was like worlds of difference between those two courses. I mean, like, do you like you the know, day? Do you like the daytime running with the heat? I don't do well in the heat, but the way Chicago always works is it's hot, but there's enough water to keep you cool. But like I was saying, the courses were night and day between Philly and Chicago. Philly was like just hills and it wasn't like super runnable. I know a lot of us went out trying to get that 70K and failed just shy of it. And then I didn't have the best day at Chicago. Um, I was started puking about two hours in just from a little bit of heat stroke, swallowing some water and cage crawl from the mm. mop heads. And still, you know, hammered out, you know, beat myself up pretty good there. But just the difference is if I would have had those issues in Philly, there would have been no way I was close. Yeah. So it's all, it was just, you know, different courses and they just make it different. Yeah. Here's my, I have no inside knowledge. No, uh, here's my concern. I wouldn't say, I'm going to go with concern, not, not necessarily prediction. I'm slightly worried, like, as we were talking about with the reduction in the number of toughest mutters. I mean, so reduction in the number of people at toughest mutter. Uh, we've we've dropped from three toughest a year down to two. Um, they're switching from the uh, the switching. They're getting rid of the five and ten k format last uh, next year. So there's just fifteen k, which means they'll have to rebuild a course in the middle of the night or after after the fifteen k completes in order to do it a toughest mutter. Or they'll have to be fifteen k laps. I'm slightly concerned. We're heading in the direction where they get rid of toughest altogether. And like the the holy grail, the trifecta, if you will, turns into like Tough Mudder Classic, Infinity, World's Toughest Mudder. That's that's my concern. If anyone has any thoughts, um, you know, feel free to feel free to voice them here. I mean, I, I I a part of me thinks that you're right, and that that concerns me a little bit. I think it would be a mistake just from the standpoint of they're going to lose their their core endurance people, and I know that like, you know, we might not be their main draw on a, on a, on a given Saturday or Sunday, but we are the consistent draw. And if you lose that, that core group, which is, I think what they would be playing with. Um, I think that's a, that's a pretty risky business move mm. personally. And here's my other concern, right? So Tough Mudder is now part of Spartan. So the people who founded it are no longer there. So it, it turns into more of a business decision than it turns into a, a, you know, a passion project. Whereas if it's a passion project, it's something you created and it's your baby. You're willing to accept some losses. You're willing to like justify certain decisions. If you're, you know, an accountant or someone who's just like hired for the company, I think you do math and you do less. You're less concerned about like um, the emotional tie when it comes to making uh, race decisions and kind of like, you don't quite understand the second, third order effects as well as someone who has grown up with the company. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Mulpy did on the on a different podcast talk about toughest for next year, and they're going back to five mile loops. Okay, um, for toughest next year, and said it's it'll be the same thing, kind of how it has been. It'll just be a shortcut, shortened version. And then Infinity is going to be ten mile courses, and it's just going to be ten mile loops, flat rate for. I do Infinity. like that better. I do like that better. The the two different distances, I just feel like creates too many variables. And then as we saw with, what was it, Philly, where it was like, no, it's it's not 5K, it's 6K now. And it's like, 
Is someone going to tell us at some point? Or are you just going to wait till the race is over? So I mean, well, at least in Chicago, they did let us know. Yeah, 17k. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good at least. But but they told us before that was the difference in Chicago. That is the difference. Told, Correct. Yeah. yeah, we didn't finish, and they told us, "Oh, the distance changed, so your whole plan was out the window, and you didn't know it." Right. Yeah, because we we were like I I specifically talked to people, and some people let me pass, and I let other people pass. Because we were doing the math and it was like, oh, well, I'm ahead or you're ahead, vice versa, you know, so. But that's the piece that that Tough Mudder really needs to get down is for that competitive piece, right? The professionalism, like you you can't be changing things without telling people and doing things differently last minute. So I think that's the one thing that they can clean up a little bit and it'll make a lot of the athletes a lot happier. So hopefully this one course length, the one course length, um, you know, and, and each event is going to is going to help them standardize it a little bit more so that they can be a little bit better at that because i think that was a huge opportunity this last year yeah and so chris has been with the company for a long time if you don't know chris malpe i interviewed him way back years ago uh when he was actually racing and he was you know top five i think at world's toughest mother i think multiple times um so he's got a lot of personal experience that both behind the scenes in the company and then also as an athlete so i i highly value his opinion the since i used to work uh, for infinite hero foundation infinite hero honor challenge the the staff on tough mutter has a surprising amount of turnover i think people come on for like a year or two and then they move on to other things just because the the lifestyle of like traveling all the time and and being away from home and family and friends etc uh it's a bit rough but the you know just because the brand is a decade old the workers there sometimes are only a couple months or you know maybe a year or two old so just a just so people kind of like understand some of the the environment they're in because i think we see the company and we're like oh well tough mother's been around for a decade so they should know better it's like yeah well they should but there's also like <laughs> high staff turnover so so while we were in the pit after the race we were also talking about kind of the current state of the ocr industry and the future of ocr um T i'm going to jump over to tj as someone who's been around for a while you know what are some of your thoughts on kind of how the industry is going, where it's headed, you know, any suggested changes you think we should make as someone who's been around and seen, seen a few things? You know, I think for, for me, I just, it's about growth of the sport. And I don't think that right now, um, at least from the competitive standpoint and the, and the ultra standpoint, it, it's growing. In fact, I think we're losing a lot of the athletes to trail running. Right. And, um, you know, and that even includes myself a little bit like I, you know, I'm getting pulled next year to where I think a lot of my focus will be qualifying for a Western States or UTMB. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was really interesting because, um, you know, Adkins had recently posted about, you know, the amazing OCR community and how it's really time for a brand to like really step in and, and just really take over and do a great job and bring that level of professionalism um, is, is I'll ad lib a little bit and say it, it feels like, you know, that's where he's going with that, right. Is bring that level of professionalism to the sport, um, you know, for the athletes. And so I think from my standpoint, you know, I think, you know, Tough Mudder's been, um, kind of relaunching themselves, rebranding themselves. It feels like almost every year. And although I like the direction that they're going in now, like if I were going to pick one, I, I feel like, you know, the going tougher, going back to at least a 10 mile lap and stuff are, are things that I like, you know, I still think that there's a lot 
um, from from just the, the the I would say the the ultra stage or even if you want to get into like the marathon range right where there's just a huge gap right now i don't think it's something spartan does um, particularly well just because it's kind of old hat right like if you've run a, a spartan ultra now it kind of feels like you've run most of them although i did hear killington this uh this last week was supposed to be incredible so sounds like they did a really great job with that um but it just it feels like there's a there's a big hole in the industry right now and, and it's it's starting to be brought up by i say some of the elite elites right and, and we've lost a lot of them over the way you know Rea's out doing sky running now and you know, and that you can name a whole bunch of people like that. So I think it's a, it's an interesting time in the industry, but I, I really think it's time another brand kind of comes in and, and steps up and, and kind of gives Spartan a run for their money. Right. Cause really tough mutter is, is Spartan. <laughs> they're, they're owned by the same people. So competition brings out the best in people. And I, I think a, a, a competitor to Spartan would be a great thing for the sport and the athletes. Mm. Yeah, easier said than done, but uh, don't disagree <laughs> there. I don't disagree. The uh, yeah, well, a lot of the athletes have left, and I think that a lot of that has to do with prize money. You know, the uh, athletes are going to go. There's a there's a certain pool of athletes that are going to follow the money, right? So as the money shifts around, you know, we saw a lot of it leave the ultra scene. It showed up in the ultra scene for toughest mutter and a world toughest, and then it left, and now it's like in, it feels like it's in high rocks that the endurance functional fitness. So I feel like a lot of people have shift, sh switched over to that or just left completely and um, that are good enough to do well in things like sky running and trail running. And, you know, you've been a pro for a long time, Evan. Do you feel like um, do, do you feel like the opportunity that that is being missed right now is with sponsors in general and, and just getting a little more publicity for the athletes so that they can bring in their own revenue? Or do you think it's more prize related? Yeah, you know. It's a mix, right? So, like, the prize money's the, for an athlete. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say is like the mentally the easy button. Like, I show up, I do well, I win money. For me personally, I I do make money from prize money. It's not a lot. Uh, the majority of money I get is from sponsors and or selling products related to OCR, so books, uh, Blegmans, etc. Right. So that's how I've maintained a sustainable presence in the sport. And then in, in addition to writing articles, right. I occasionally get paid for those. Sometimes I, sometimes I get free stuff for writing articles. Um, so my, my logic has always been like, um, do, do more than just race and be, you know, cause when I look at other industries or other, um, celebrities type thing, like no longer are people like just good at acting or just good at singing or just good at one thing. They have to have like their fingers in like everything. So when I approached the sport of obstacle course racing, I stole lessons from other sports and that's how I applied them. So it, I think it's a little bit of both to kind of a very roundabout answer. Uh, a little bit, the athletes need to get out there more and find and request sponsors and the, uh, the brands need to, they need to give a little prize money, right? Like it doesn't have these huge amounts, but like, you know, when, when Spartan, the average Spartan race, you just get a trophy essentially at the end, which I was, we were joking, but it's true. The average rugged maniac, I at least get a free race and some merchandise credit, which is technically better than what I'm getting from a Spartan race, which is absurd. That's completely absurd. Yep. You know? Yep. 100%. Yeah. But I mean, it, and, and I mean, clearly you're at the top of the top, right? Which is why you've been able to do this since 2011. 
So like that's, that's a really good tip. I think for, for newer athletes coming into the sport that are going to help grow the sport. Yeah. And speaking of which I'm going to, you plug you, you, I'm sorry, big guy, you gotta come. Uh, Sorry. That was my son jumping in there. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which my newest book, the sponsored athlete should be coming out by the end of the year. So I I have to edit it either. I'll edit it in either October or November. So it should be out uh, before the end of the year. And I talk about exactly about what we're talking about, how to, make money slash reduce costs from racing. So awesome. You guys can check that out. It's a, it's a quick read. I think it's about 80 pages. Um, so it's like the on endurance book. It's a quick read, but uh, it's got a packed a lot of good information. I didn't, I didn't just drag it out just to make it longer, uh, which I feel like some books do. So yeah. I appreciate that when reading. Yeah. Yeah. The on endurance book was really good. I read it last year and you had a lot of good things in there. Yeah, it was just it was a lot of like common sense kind of things that you kind of really never put together. Uh, so I kept reading like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I knew that, but I never did that. So I think it was really good for anybody who wants to try this or get into more even endurance, any endurance kind of thing. Yeah, and I, tried, I tried to write it so it was good for any endurance sport um, because I I'm, I'm at a phase now where I feel like I've I'm. Tap, quote unquote tap the OCR market like I'm trying to reach out into other markets and be like I do this thing called obstacle course racing you from the martial arts community from the whatever community right like you should come into my world for a little bit so that's that's kind of my next phase of uh, marketing slash outreach we'll call it excellent yeah. um, Eddie anything else to add uh no i mean uh i just, I just kind of show up and race i'm not really too <laughs> opinionated on uh the state of tough mudder and everything like that as long as uh i don't know i don't get burned or like have a bad experience which i usually don't i'm like ah, yeah. whatever it's tough mudder like coming i've come to expect uh the tough mudder ways yeah yeah all right chris let's jump over to you we were talking about some future plans tell me about the race you were looking to do i believe in 2024 yeah, so next year I got accepted into the last annual Vol State, which is one of Lazarus Lake's, you know, grueling endurance races. For everybody who doesn't know him, he does the Barkley Marathons. He's the brainchild behind that. And probably like another dozen ultra endurance races that are just meant to beat you up. But this one, it's been going for a while now. So the last annual thing, that's his own little trademark because his joke is one year he's going to be right. It's, you know, it's just his thing. So he's got a few races like this, but it's a 500 K. So I think it actually works out. To, it's a little bit longer. So like 340 miles across Tennessee from the Mississippi river East in the middle of July and you have, there is a course you have to follow, like kind of, you get a map with back roads, you got to go run down and you have like eight or nine, I think nine or 10 days to do it. And you just kind of run as much as you want. You're allowed to stop and like go into restaurants if you want, sleep on the side of the road, get hotels, whatever you got to do to get yourself from the start to the finish without getting in a car or going on to like private property or anything. So that'll be pretty fun. Sounds very interesting. And at the same time, also awful, uh, but also fun, (laughs) which is basically describes all ultras. And um, 
tell also tell people about the shirt uh that you were wearing on the podium slash the the one you gave me. Yeah, so I did my shirts. You know, I kind of done shirts for the last couple of years. Last year, um, for all my crew for a couple of races, I did one that said "Emotional Support Human, Do Not Pet," and handed a bunch of those out. And then this year, my shirt was "Everything Hurts and I'm Hungry." which is just the perfect after ultra endurance race shirt because that's the feeling of it. You know, I've had that one now. I got it for a big race in July I did. Yeah. And then, you know, for full state, like I'm going in to do that. And I think I said I, you have nine or 10 days to do it. I think I have to do it in eight days because I have a backyard ultra, the Odelaz, that is like that next Saturday. So I got to make it back so I can get up there for that because I'm going to be like, I'm either one of the two or three runners who have done it every year right now for the sixth year. This year? Yes, I think so. Fifth year? Something like that. So I got to make it back to get at least one lap in for that. And Not if you're nice. looking if you're looking for an event, Evan, that's a fun event. You know, um uh. Stephanie Bland, who was on the podium at um Toughest this week. Um Hannah Carta. Yeah, on the women's podium, Joe Perry. We got a bunch. Matt Davis ran it. We got nice. a bunch of good uh, OCR athletes. So I got to throw my little plug there for Ode and, you know, get our great race director has some credit for that. He is one of the best race directors probably in the business right now and makes that a great event for anybody who wants to come out. Nice. And we'll set up a pit area for you, Evan. Oh, we uh, we all we hang out. We set up a big party area for Ode. Ode is fun. Hmm. Mm. Tempting. Tempting. We'll it'll see. Be like, it'll be like toughest. You just show up with a case of water and call it good. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Side note: I really enjoyed your guys's pit. That is, uh, I'm pretty austere when it comes to pit stuff. But we had a nice, you had a nice two two spot pit area. Nice awning, chairs. That was that was the life for uh, you, really. <laughs> Oh, you should come see what happens at Ode, where people have like solar panels to power their radios and stuff. And <laughs> disco lights, and lights Dis- yeah, disco lights. We got yelled at for the smoke machine this year. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a party all all day and night. Nice. All right, we're gonna start wrapping things up before we get going. Tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. We'll start off with Eddie first. Oh gosh, um, I really. Uh... Don't have anything good, so I'll give you like two really mediocre ones. Uh, the first one is that English is technically my second language. Um, I was born and raised only speaking Spanish, and then when I was like in first grade, I started speaking English. Started speaking English at home and totally forgot Spanish. Um, if that makes any sense at all, I don't know, but it does. Um, <laughs> and then my second one is that I am just completely obsessed with. Uh, going to edm festivals and just uh just like ocr is just on the complete opposite side of the spectrum and just going to these two three four day long uh raves and just having a good time and we, which people will know you on the toughest mother course for please explain what oh, you're yes. uh, i am edm guy if you've done any toughest infinity worlds mm-hmm. i have edm music playing from the time we start to the time i finish i have a a bucket of speakers and a bucket of phones that all had just have hours and hours of music. And if one dies, I just swap out the next one. And if you ever heard some crazy robot music out on course, it, it probably nine times out of 10 was me. 
that first lap, I felt like I was like hallucinating. It was freaking me out a little bit. I'll be honest. I got used to it, but like for like a mile, I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah. You either, you either love it and you stay on pace with me or you hate it. And you find the courage to either speed up or slow down just to get away from me. Good stuff. I, I enjoyed it. Um, Once I got used to it, but there was a, there was a point where I was like, what is, I'm, kind of freak freaked out right now i'm used to silence and just like breathing and a little more zen like all right yeah, TJ. I, 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 yeah I need it to keep me going but I'll go ahead tj yeah tj <laughs> man i there's not a lot uh i think that i i mean i put myself out there so most people know uh and i pretty much just work uh train spend time with my family and eat i feel like but i do have three cats so um, that usually really surprises people, but I have, I have three cats and they're my babies. So I'm a cat dad. Mm, nice. I like cats too. They're lo- I'm kind of a lazy pet person. So I like cats cause they're low maintenance. Although I don't have any, I, I grew up with a couple, but uh, mine are very high maintenance, but yes, they can be low maintenance. I hear just not mm. mine. <laughs> are they like fancy cats? Like, did you, did you have to buy them? Are they expensive? Yeah, so I have two Scottish fold and one oh my, uh, British short hair. The only reason I know what those are is because my daughter is obsessed, and uh, so we will have to. I will have to stop by at some point and let my daughter hang out with your cats. You're you're always welcome, always welcome, and so is she. All right, Chris, over to you. Yep, I think we kind of talked about this on course too. But one of the things about me, I'm kind of proud of, is I actually have four engineering degrees. So, and this is you know what I do for fun, you know, you think it'd be something more sane, but and then we were talking a little bit before this. So one thing about that, you know, when I got my master's degree, I was going for graduation and I had paid for this one myself. I'd asked my mom, did she care if I went to graduation? I'm like, I don't, you know, for me, it was just the ceremony. I didn't really care that much. And the Spartan Vermont ultra was the day before. I'm like, I really want to go to this race. My mom said, she didn't care. You paid for it yourself, whatever. So me and my buddy, we booked the race, kind of doing our stuff. And like three weeks later, my mom came back to me. She goes, well, I really want to see you walk across the stage. So we went through this whole plan of, okay, we drove out all day Friday to Vermont. We did the ultra. I think I placed like top 15 or something in my first Spartan ultra. Literally had like a burger at the race. And turned around and drove the 10 hours back to Detroit. I slept for a couple hours, then drove to Ann Arbor for my graduation, like after two hours of sleep and good endurance race. Yeah, no kidding. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I skipped. I have I only have one master's, much less impressive. Um, I skipped my master's graduation to go to an OCR. It was a battlegrounds race. I think I tied for third at that one. Yeah. So nice. yeah, so you have the same insanity too. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't regret it. That was the I I'm that was 100 percent the right decision. Um, no emotional attachment to that to the, and I can't even I can barely remember like my high school or in college graduation. The only thing I remember from college graduation is Bill Cosby spoke, which uh, in hindsight is less less exciting now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get going. Uh, Final shout out you want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera, around the hall and horn again. Eddie, starting with you. Uh, 
No, no, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, All right. No, no, no fun sponsor, nothing crazy, nothing fun. Just uh, going on a course and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, TJ, over to you. No, I mean, I just, you know, I appreciate my family letting me go do all this crazy stuff and the time I spend away. And, you know, I got to give I got to give love to my my coach, Miss Allison Ty, although the fitness piece comes easy for me. I am not a natural runner, so I needed somebody really good. And she's uh, she's she's been a a great help to me over the years. So I've got to give her a shout out. But that's it. Miko. Yep. Uh, I got a couple actually though. So, I mean, I have to say, you know, everything to my coach, Bruce Sagan and the goal maker runners here, you know, it's a good family we have and a lot of support and love for everyone there. You know, I know a lot of them are actually headed out to Berlin this week for the Berlin marathon. And then I got to plug Owen again, man. I mean, I can't talk about this race and how much we love that event and how much it is for people to come out and, you know, how much OCR has crossed over to that event and we keep going back and forth and bringing people in. So if anybody's interested in a great race, um, the Odela's Backyard Ultra in Holly, Michigan, come out. It is a party. You'll love it. You become part of our family and just it's another great event. It's not OCR, but it's a good distance running event that it's hard, it's easy until it's not. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to give a quick shout out to you guys for your our performance at uh, Toughest. You know, I feel like most of the teams that win Toughest are, I would describe them as a super team, right? Like they come in, it's like, well, this team's obviously winning and we'll see who finishes second, third and fourth, et cetera. And um, like you, we were saying earlier in this podcast, I think we just had a lot of grit and we were consistent and uh, it paid off in the end. So uh, I was really happy with the result and it was uh, pretty cool. That was my first four man team win. Because uh, I came in third once and I won as a two-man team previously at Toughest. So good stuff there. Also want to give a quick shout out to Modus Ninjas. So we did a screening of my documentary, Ultra OCR Man, the 24-minute film available. Uh, you can find the link off my Instagram page or the Team Strength Speed website, which is, as of this recording, is currently down. Uh, we're going through a website changeover backside issues, but it, it should be back up hopefully by the time this airs. Um, if anyone's looking for bleg mitts, they're available on the teamstrengthspeed.com website, or, uh, if that's still down, head over to OCR pro team, which is the Mudgear Hannibal race pro team website. Uh, you can order the bleg mitts off there, small, medium, large, extreme, and light. And, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. Over, yeah, get ahead over. Thanks, thanks for joining out. us for this fun, Evan. It was a great time with you. And. You know, get you out of suffering alone. It did. It did. I was, I was feeling, I, I, it takes me a while to get warmed up. So the constant stop and start, I felt in some respects, it felt a little harder because that first two mile or two, I felt like tight. And then the last mile or two, I'd start feeling good. And like, I start like picking up the pace and then we'd stop and I'd be like, oh, so it was a, it was a different, d- different experience. There's a reason I kept moving and I wasn't in that pit too much. No, I just sat down. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> and, and you napped a little bit. And I guess the other thing we got to do is a shout out to both of our dads, right? Yes, there of course. For yeah. us and taking care of us all, all four of us all night, right? My dad, Phil, yeah. and your dad, Terry. I also, I on the way out of town, I hit up uh, anyone who's seen the 1978 Dawn of the Dead. I stopped by the Monroeville Mall, which is where they filmed Dawn of the Dead, the original. And they have like a 
Dawn of the Dead Museum in the back of the store. So we went and checked that out on the way out. And then my dad's flight got canceled and he drove eight hours back to New York. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he had, a, he, had a, he had a rough trip wow. home. I flew back, um, almost missed my plane as per usual for toughest. <laughs> and then uh, got back at, I think, 1 a.m. that morning by the time I actually got back to my house because about two hours drive from the airport. Jeez. Wow. Rough. Yeah. Rough, rough weekend. Took me all week to recover, and then I we I actually ran a rugged maniac this past weekend and did surprisingly well. So um, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I don't know, to g- giving me allowing me to take breaks in the relay format, so that worked out well. It was great. It was great. I had a great time with you guys. It was just a great group of guys. Like I, I truly enjoyed every minute with you guys. So we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. Definitely, thanks for joining us. It was uh the speed that we needed the strength the strength to our divas is what we need <laughs> yeah appreciate it guys all right we're gonna get going uh we'll catch all of you in the next episode and we will see you at world's toughest i know uh my friend jason grullo uh just released a bunch of Cl- world's toughest motor cliff's nose podcast on obstacle racing media with matt davis i have not listened to them yet but i know they're he's got a lot of good information so I would head over a list of those if you're looking for like world's toughest motor specific tips. And then my book, Ultra OCR Bible, uh, highly recommend that also. It's available on Amazon, digital, or hard copy off my website. All right. We'll catch all you later. Bye.